Welcome to the Sign Out Podcast. Here we interview individuals who are pursuing their passion and who want to share that story. That's one of the big things I learned in Australia was how precious the water is if you don't have it. You can easily run out of water in Australia. The India itself, I stayed there for six months. So many different senses going in, you know, it was like smells and what you see and everything, and what you hear and stuff. It's just like, oh, but you can't stay too long. Then you want to kill everybody. <laughs> hey, everyone. Today, I have a friend of mine and guest who has traveled the world on a motorcycle. And if you've listened to other episodes, um, especially episode four, you'll know that I enjoy motorcycles because we talked a lot about vintage Hondas on that day. But I met this friend of mine um, when I was working in Houston on Fridays. I used to go by this motorcycle dealership all the time on the way home just to check out bikes. It's a, it was a huge dealership in Houston, had a lot of different brands. They had uh, Triumphs there. And one day I walked in and was over in the Triumph area looking at bikes. And the salesman comes up to me and I'm not sure how good of a salesman he was, but he knew his motorcycles because we started talking motorcycles right away. And I think... Um, we were more interested in having a conversation about motorcycles than we were about selling bikes. So let me introduce you to Radim Sainer, who is from the Czech Republic. And he is the one that I met at this dealership. How are you doing today, Radim? Hi, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to let people hear more about what you did. So when we were talking and I was, um, you know, talking to him on the showroom floor and telling him I've got a vintage Honda, well, he's like, hey, I got this. Um, let me show you on my computer this trip that I've done. And at that time, he had completed his trip on a KTM 990 riding from Houston down to the bottom of South America and back. And I just thought that was so cool. Like, wow, you've actually gone all the way down there. Well, there's so much more to that story, which is why we're here today, because that was just a piece of his trip which was hitting six continents over multiple years, riding on his motorcycle, traveling just throughout the world. And, and as I got to know him more and realized that I had kind of met him in the middle of this adventure, then we stayed in contact through technology and WhatsApp, which was easy to communicate across the um, world. Um, I got to watch him go on this journey. And I just thought, man, this is such a cool thing that everybody should learn more about uh, Radim's story. I just think it's so cool. So you're from the Czech Republic, but I met you in Texas. Right. Right. <laughs> so that's, I mean, and having lived in Houston a long time, though, in the oil and gas industry, it's very common to meet people from all over the world. There's a lot of folks here from, um, if you've not been to Houston, you probably wouldn't realize how diverse it is. Um, so I wasn't surprised uh, to meet you. But it was once I got your story and realized that, you know, you were just selling motorcycles for a little bit in between trips and that that's not your background. So how did you get from growing up in Czech Republic to Houston, Texas? Well, it was pretty interesting and um, pretty interesting story and, and journey. Um, so um, my background, I'm engineer, um, mechanical engineer. So um, I finished all my studies and got offered to work in England um, for company which was doing subsea drilling components camera international and um, through them um, I made it somehow to Texas they offered me to work here in in the headquarters they somehow liked what I was doing so I said okay let's come over here and um, and 
And the first, I wasn't really sure, so I stayed here for like uh, six, seven months, and I, I couldn't make a decision whether I like it, and I said, okay, why not? It's it's good weather. It felt like um, being on a vacation <laughs> right. comparing to England, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's that the weather just makes a big difference in your life. You come home and you just got to change to flip-flops and you know, just enjoy the day. Um, and, you know... And I, I started living here and, and I liked it and, and I learned a lot about this place and I learned about, you know, how many checks, well, not many checks like these days, but uh, there were lots of checks coming here, I mean, 100 years ago. And when I talk to people here, so many people tell me like, oh, I've got grand grandparents from Czech and uh, lots of Czech names here. And of course, Kolachi, the, that yes. very good Czech food. So. Yeah, and I was like, wow, I, I had no idea. And then I start feeling really, really good here. And then I, I stayed. So you can good. find just if you travel around some of the small towns in Texas, you can still meet people that have a Czech accent, um, that there's a lot of history there in these small hill country towns. Yeah, that no, that's, that's what I did. And yeah. on a motorcycle, of course, I, you know, I explore and it was really, really cool. So it was good. That's awesome. So you, you moved to Texas, enjoy it. And then, um, but that, you know, riding a motorcycle around Texas is one thing, but then deciding, I think I want to go a little further. That's right. Like when I was looking, I always liked to dream and, and uh, I look at a map. That's just like daydreaming, you know, right. looking at a map. And um, I, when I was, when I was about to start moving to, to Houston, um, I, I look at map and it's like, wow, this is so close to South America. <laughs> well, it's still pretty far, but, you know, looking from Europe, from right. this part of the world. I'm like, oh, this is pretty close. So, and I stuck out. Like, I don't know. I just put it in the back of my head. Say, like, well, this is pretty close. And I would like to use the opportunity to be based here just to explore the part of the world a little bit more. And um, so first I start doing like flying trip to um, to South America, the first to Central America, like Nicaragua. And then one trip was to Colombia. And um, I met a um, few interesting travelers out there and I met two bikers one was from Canada and from well, was from France and they were just traveling um, from I think they started somewhere up in Canada and came all the way to Colombia and French guy had a problem with his motorcycles they were fixing they get stuck there for like a month they couldn't fix the bike um, but I thought wow this is pretty cool and I, I kind of at that moment I decided well, I want to be here in two years on my own motorcycle. And it just wow. stuck in my head. And and everything from that point started evolving into that target. And and when you were even starting that, did you think, were you starting to plan, well, this is going to be worldwide? Or you, were you first like, let me just get to South America and see how that goes? It, no, I, I, no, my mind was not that big. Right to even think I can do all all around the world because you think like oh there's so much to do that's so you know the the logistics of it and you think it's going to be extremely expensive and you just don't know um, what would take to do that and it, it was it was kind of small steps which which kind of led into the the, the whole picture right so talk about your trip you know, we'll kind of break it down in some, in kind of the parts that you did it, but you leave Houston. And so where do you, I mean, you head down South. What is that like? 
Yeah, it was. And, and, um, and how long did it take you? You know, kind of go through some of that of like, what was that? What was it like? Well, the first part, I, I did a little bit of planning and, um, and uh, one of the thing I really wanted to do, um, I wanted to see the car race in South America. Before I started, I already knew I want to see that. I want to be, and I have some friends from, from Czech, they're racing and they're racing really well. So I want to meet them there and I stay, want to spend some time with them and, and, and see how it's, how it's happening. Yeah. And if you don't know what the Dakar race is, it's like the ultimate off-road race with various classes of vehicles from motorcycles up to big rigs in extreme conditions over many days. Um, so if you just, if you just, uh, Google Dakar race, you'll get to see some really interesting things. So for people into that, is it, it is kind of like the bucket list of a race to see. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's the ultimate of, of, um, uh, I mean, racing, um, you know, off-road adventure. Off adventure. Yeah. Yeah, and these guys, they, they, the whole race, it's, it's two weeks and it's constant. They hardly sleep and they're just the ultimate test for, for racer. Right. So yeah, it, it's something exceptional. So you wanted see. to get down yeah. there to be I part of that. I really needed to be there. I, right. And then I had it all set up. Like I really wanted to be, I just was my, my target, of course. And then, you know, the whole journey and everything enjoyed. So, um, yeah, for that reason, I have to do a little bit of planning because I had, I had several months to get to Chile. That's why I wanted, that's why I want to be at the time. It was, I think, 7th of January. And, um, yeah, and I didn't want to miss it. <laughs> so that for, for that reason, when I start heading, um, down, down South, um, you know, I took, I took, uh, Mexico pretty fast because I knew was I going to be come back here to Houston and, and I can always go to Mexico. You have, right. you have what, five, 10 hours drive, and then you're on the border and then you have whole Mexico for yourself. It's, right. you know, it's so easy to get to it. So I just didn't want to spend much time exploring Mexico, even though it's an amazing place. And in, in the short time I went through, I met really interesting people, very nice. So, right. Yeah. So when you, you cruise through Mexico, really going down was your focus was to get down there to the race. Yeah. Well, not, not really. Like it was, again, it was kind of like, I wanted, really want to do that. Right. But I was not riding like you weren't in a straight rush. On, right. But, racing down the race it was more going enjoying whatever you know just see explore i had i had plenty of time planned for each country so it was you know it, it was pretty good so it was not like rushing down so how much in advance you said you planned did you have your route pretty much determined as you were going down there or were you a little more flexible no, i what, what i did um i did rough planning i didn't do like exactly what i want right. to see um, and I went on, I went on a map, Google maps and I, I just, just to get idea how big the country is. Cause you can't really see, you look at the maps like, Oh, this is so close. Yeah. But then you just let it Google calculate the distance. Like, Oh, wow, that's not that close. <laughs> you know? So I did, I did a little bit of, um, a little bit of rough planning and I had like each country, um, I had like, okay, I'm probably going to be, um, doing this, 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 and, um, it may be, I don't know, 2000 miles. And I added like 20% to it, like kind of for whatever is going to happen. You may want to do something else. And through that, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to be 
traveling this pace. Um, so I'd say 100, 100 miles per day in average. Sometimes you do more, sometimes you do less. Right. And um, that gives me that many days. And I want to have some breaks too. So you put, look, you just do like rough yeah. planning, you know, nothing, nothing serious. And, and then, I, I would say to the audience, when, when you say a hundred miles, most people are driving a car and they don't, they're like, that's nothing. But when you're on a motorcycle traveling a hundred miles through roads that may or may not be paved, mm-hmm. it can turn out to be a long day. I mean, I've done some riding in Colorado and covering a hundred miles was the whole morning and you're worn out. So just for perspective, people, you know, the audience can get an idea that when we're talking a hundred miles in South America, it could be, it's not just pretty asphalt down I-10, but like between here and, you know, right. San Antonio, and you're right. just going straight and it's all easy. This is, could be rough terrain or just, um, the roads aren't as good condition and you're just, you know, it's, it's twisty turny, a lot of different things. So a hundred miles can be, take you a while. Yeah, it could. Yeah. And, 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 um, it could be pretty easy. Um, but it could be really, really tough. Sometimes, 20 miles, it's really tough. Yeah, I was know? looking on your blog this morning and I was there was a picture of you pushing your motorcycle up a dirt embankment somewhere in India, I think. Indonesia. Indonesia, and your and your comment was this was a tough day. Yeah. Yeah. We <laughs> so, we act, yeah, and that day I didn't move. I actually went back because yeah, I just couldn't make it. <laughs> right. Right. So, so for South on the South American side though, you you know, ultimately did you got to the race to get to see some of that? No, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was the, it was the, um, yeah, the day they arrived to Iquique, that's, that's where the, the bivouac was for that, for that time, um, yeah, I made it there, like, the day ahead, I think it was the day ahead, okay, but it was not easy, you know, I had stuck in, um, stuck in Bolivia, and it was, it was tough, it was still tough to get there, but it was, it kind of worked out. So how long at this point, how long had you been on your bike? Been riding? Uh, four months. Wow. And obviously you speak, idea. you speak Czech. Yes. You speak very good English. Thank you. What else do you speak? Um, I speak, oh, I spoke Italian. Um, actually better Italian than English when I start learning English. But then if you don't use it, you lose it. So right. I can still pick up pretty fast. Um, and it's, it's a Latin um, language, so I could kind of switch to Spanish a little bit. So I was it about gave to me advantage a bit. To right. So four months in Spanish-speaking countries, you were. Um, yeah, I wouldn't by. say fluent, but I, I can get by. No, I can just whatever I need to know. I can I can listen. I can understand, and and the same if I need to t- say something, yeah, I can say it. Yeah, that's probably pretty helpful. Yeah, that that's one thing. If anybody wants to go to South America, you your experience from that part of the world is going to multiply exponentially if you speak the language in there. It's, it's incredible. You're going you're gonna to make more, better, better connection, more connection right. with local people. That's all about when, when you travel on a motorcycle, I guess. So. Yeah, I think traveling on a motorcycle too probably brings a little more of a crowd out because they're like, wow, that's it's pretty crazy. This, I mean, now they see motorcycles everywhere, but to know that you've traveled all the way from the U.S. on a motorcycle mm. as opposed to a vehicle. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a yeah, lot yeah, tougher. Yeah. It's a harder road. And they're like, wow, that's kind of interesting. I thought it was interesting too, though, um, when we had talked before about you traveling, is the people you run into from around the world who's doing the same thing you're doing. I mean, in various countries, didn't you, didn't you run into people in South America that were 
um, on other bikes as well. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You, you you meet lots of people, and and especially this this route from um, Alaska down to Tierra del Fuego, um, that's that's very common route for lots of people go from everywhere around the world. Right. Um, yeah, that you 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 meet mostly Australians, New Zealand people, lots of Europeans. Not many Americans. <laughs> <laughs> Why Even is that? Even they go, I don't know. <laughs> it's you, tell, you tell me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I think some of it is, is uh, you know, we've talked about before. I just don't know that people realize how great these countries are unless you step foot on them. And there's an apprehension. Yeah. That's, Dude, that, that's there's, the a, there's a fear because it's a lack of knowledge. Yeah. That's the thing. I You know, I started this journey with my girlfriend, Time Lord. And um, it was... For me, I go to these, I go to, you know, third world, third world countries with open mind, like not prejudice, nothing. Right. Just like, are you learn when you get there? Um, that was very different from her mindset when we started. That one of the also reasons we wouldn't run through Mexico fast was um, she was, she was paranoid about, oh, I'm going to get kidnapped and all this stuff. Right. right? And. It, and, and she was reading these government um, recommendations and all that stuff. She stopped reading it after, I think, a couple of weeks. And the whole, lots of lots of things, the help, what the help was is um, we met other travelers from especially Europe and Australia. Right. And they were just saying, oh, we spent like three months in Mexico. We had the best time ever. And I'd be, oh, we spent like six months in Mexico. We had the best time ever. Like, well, okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> That's not why I'm hearing on, you know, on this north side of the border, you know, like you just get massaged by media like, oh, this is bad. This is, yeah. You, okay. I take, I take, um, tell example, like um, people around here, do you think if um, somebody in Singapore is going to be reading an article about Houston, you know, how many shootings are here per day, whatever, you know, everybody's got guns and stuff. They're like, Oh wow! Oh whoa! <laughs> no, I'm yeah. not go. <laughs> but it, then you know it's not really a big deal, right? It's just a different culture. But you know the the world is safe place. It's know? all about perspective. That's and, right. Yeah. And you know we were talking earlier this morning, and this time last year I was in South Africa mm-hmm. with my family visiting some friends who we had made here in the states, and they're from South Africa, moved back, and when I was telling people where I was traveling to, I would get those like, "Oh, you're really going to South Africa? Is that safe?" I mean, I spent two weeks there and never felt anything but hospitality from the folks around me. And there, yeah. and you can go find news articles in every country you go through that aren't positive, but then you can, and you can also find unsafe places in every country you go to. doesn't matter if you're in the States or anywhere. And so it's a, it's just interesting because even from, I, I talking to you, I learned that perspective really quick about um, just go out, adventure, be open-minded, go see what, folks have to offer because most people are good people and when i hear your story it i mean it all ties together it doesn't matter where you go exactly and you know if you exactly as you're saying if you want to get into trouble you're going to get in trouble in paris you're going to in trouble in london you're going to get in trouble in here in houston right yeah but if you don't want to get in trouble you know you, you you're not going to get in trouble but that that's that's the same everywhere else you just need to follow a common sense you know? right just like you just not to be not to be like you know stupid with 
walking in the dark street, you know, with your phone, back alley, your back alley, just walk, you know, on your with your phone, right. you may lose it here in Houston the same way as you may lose in Colombia. Right. Maybe it's better chance to lose in Colombia, but again, you have a, an option right. not to do that and just leave everything home and just go on for walk and just wander around, you know, not to flash that you know your expensive watch and stuff you know? right. so, so you, you have that option right and it's up to you and you know i touch wood i for four years i didn't have one single you know bad experience and um and i, I was staying in the places where you know just normal tourists don't go well and on your trip down to south america were you staying were you camping mostly or were you staying in places on that trip or is it a mix Oh, it was mixed. Yeah, it was mixed. Sometimes you want to stay in a place like you want to you want to rent a hostel room. Um, if you're in a nice area when you want to explore like nice little city, um, then if you are out in in a while, and this of course it's camping. I always prefer camping. It's it's always good. Yeah, if you check out your Instagram, which is rad underscore venture venture r a d underscore venture. You will see you camping in your hammock all over the world. I mean, you, whatever you find a tree, you can hang it. You are good for the night. Yeah, which, which is really cool. So when you get down to South America, you get to the tip. You go all the way to Tierra del Fuego, right? Right. Yeah, which yeah, is you yeah, can't yeah. get any further south. No, no, no. That's that's it. That's it. You're you're about to touch the water, and you decide you're make your way back up to the states from there. Just kind of you know meander back were you going down through one part of south america and come back up through another to kind of make a well, view you, or how you did you could um i was i was following um the western side of andes down um and then you have that there are not many roads when you go down south of right. uh, of south america um the ruta 40 that's that's the kind of big one and most of the time you can you you have to use that it's not, it's not not an option, and then you do like zigzag between Chile and Argentina, and you make it all the way down. Um, on the way back, you can go. I think it's a road that three, which goes the east side of um, Argentina, but there's nothing really much. So I decided to go on the other side of Andes, on the western side of Andes, up towards Bariloche, and then just cross um, Argentina towards. Uh, Eagles of Falls and you know and just go that way up towards Brazil so so when we met you had finished that trip that leg you'd already done it yeah and then you know and then the Lauren she, she left um after Tierra de Fuego I think I think she was just she was just done yeah. <laughs> it was a bit well that she's riding on the back of your bike the yeah, whole way I mean, down yeah, that's right <laughs> it wasn't yeah. two wheels one bike so you might no, yeah. you yeah. might be a little ready so when you got how long did it take you to get all the way down and all the way back up to back to Houston. Oh no, I there was I didn't go back to Houston. What oh. I did is oh. um I went to Brazil, I went all around Brazil, came back to Uruguay, back to Argentina, and um put a bike on a plane and I flew I flew the plane to uh Spain to Europe. Okay. So um yeah and I just kept going. So uh, the thing is I when when I started, um, I started trip started as a run around South America trip, right? And um, 
that that's you know we touched at, at the beginning i just my mind was not that big to um to even think i can i can go further than you know south america and even that i was for me was like huge and um then i um, met a few people travelers and it's like oh yeah it's not really bad you can actually ship the bike to um to europe and you can ship it anywhere on a plane and it's not really that expensive um the thing is the the advantage that time was that um the pesos the the argentinian pesos it was some very good uh exchange rate right. on the blue mar- on the black they call it blue market but it was like black market it was not official it was kind of like uh quietly accepted by the government but so because the inflation is so huge in Argentina, so that everybody tried to swap the money into dollars, any, any Western currency or pounds or euros or whatever. So you get really good um, rate and you, you double your money just bringing cash into Argentina oh, wow. and swapping and swapping it. So, so for that, and you, you paid for the um, airfare for your, um, for your motorcycle in, the, in pesos. They didn't want a foreign currency. Uh, and then... But you have to bring cash in right. Argentina. So you carry, you're talking about $1,000 with you all the time, which is a bit challenging, but it, it can be done, right? If you, if you just follow a little bit of safe, right. safe, safety rules and all the stuff, so you, you should be okay. Um, so that, and you know, the changing money on a black market when you want to change $1,000, it's also pretty pretty. <laughs> But it could be pretty hairy, you know, like, oh, <laughs> right. You know, you negotiate the, the, the rate with the guys on, on the street in, in Buenos Aires and you have to tell them how much money you want to change. That, um, uh, so, you, because more you have, better rate you're going to get. And then they take you into really like cellar somewhere in downtown, like in, in Buenos Aires with all you, and they know you've got that money with you. And just, so now you might be scaring the audience now. And, no, but that's something you deal <laughs> yeah. with, and you know, just right. kind of like, and that's the that's these parts excite me. But you need most. to, but you you're doing that in Spanish the whole time. Yeah, you have to do it in Spanish. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, you've got to have a somewhat of a command, a little bit of the language to. Well, yeah, a tiny bit, but you don't need much. <laughs> you just <laughs> hold just up American dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> there it. you go. That's right. So you fly the bike over to Spain. As far as Spain, yes. Um, and then what I want to do is I want to from Spain just cross into Africa and 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 do a little exploration. My my original plan was to go uh, Morocco and then cross to Algeria, Tunisia, and then cross back to Italy because from Tunisia you can go to there's a ferry uh, to to Sicily. Um, but then I learned very quickly when I get to Algeria and I try to try to cross the border and stuff. It was all closed, like Morocco and Algeria. They just they just totally closed the border. You, n- nothing yeah. nothing gets through it. So I have to readjust a bit um, um, my planning and stuff. So um, so then I um, I went um, I followed all all around uh, Morocco, which was exceptional experience. Well, yeah, really really nice riding conditions. Uh, for off-road riding, for, for on-road, nice, beautiful roads too, and spectacular views all around, and food and people, you know. And that was that was my first like full experience in Muslim country. Like there are, you know, person Muslims all that, and um, and it it was you know I, I 
you hear all that you know in the news these days and right i was so surprised whatever they said that's how it was it was just the you know the the word i just tell you one story when i was trying to park my bike in casablanca and I, I stay with one guy over through the couch surfing because I want to explore Casablanca a little bit. And we tried to find a parking lot for my motorcycle. And then we found this not nice uh, parking house. And there was a guy and I was like, okay, can I just park it here? And I, through the guy, he translated into, into the language. And, and he said, well, you can, but I'm not going to accept it. It's like, why? Why am I going to accept it? Because like, I'm changing shift at two o'clock in the morning, and I cannot assure you that the bike is going to be safely here. And I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you know, like you know that kind of that kind of um, right. If he was going to be responsible for it, he wanted to right because he accept that right to give it to me in the morning. Right, but he cannot do that for that reason. He 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 would not accept it. Like, wow, I never, I never experienced that before my life, right? And then we find another one, another guy. I would little like workshop, like they, they could open doors. So there's no like closing doors. It's all like strangers can walk in. And, and, um, and I say, would you accept it? And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put it down here. Just, just around the corner. Um, give me I don't know, $5 and in the morning it's going to be here. And I own the guy where I staying with, it's like, Hey, shall I trust it? It just didn't look like that clean and stuff. Right. And it was like, yeah, if he tells you it's going to be here, it's going to be here. It's his business. It's his work. And that means everything to him. It's like, whoa. And it was there. No problem. You know, and that was the first. And then I, I learned that this kind of, um, you know, whatever they say, they mean it like 100%. And they put their word on it. They stand uh, behind They what? stand behind it. Right. And that was in, in other Muslim countries. And I don't know. It may maybe some other countries too. But first time I, I've seen that in, in Morocco. And really moved me. And then I see in Turkey too. Um, and Iran, which I went to, that was exactly the same. Right. Yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Yeah, and so when, when we met, I guess you'd finished that leg too because you'd come back to Houston. Yeah, and then I went all around Europe. I did just friends hopping because um, I haven't seen them for a while. Right. So I just, yeah, so, um, and then I came back to Houston for, you know, for just a little bit. I need just time a little break, just kind of like right. recharge. And that's where we met. And, you know, instead of sitting on um, on the ass, I love motorcycles and stuff. So a um, um, friend of mine who was running said, okay, just come over here. You know, just you can you can make a couple of bikes, you know. Right. <laughs> now, just going back in history, did you grow up riding motorcycles? I grew up riding bicycles. Okay. I actually was racing bicycles till I started university. Which so, is two wheels, but it's not motorized two wheels. No, though. it's not motorized. I, I was riding motorcycles, but mostly I was riding bicycles. Motorcycles always attracted me. Right. But then um, I like mountain bikes and I like pushed like normal, like race bikes and stuff. So it was always two wheels, which attracted me. And I still ride bicycles these days. So. Yeah, I think you had a wreck, uh, didn't you? Didn't that when you hurt your arm riding when? a bicycle? The bicycle? Yes. Yeah, I had I had lots of you know, crashes. When you race bicycles, you you crash basically. But, but the last time I saw you, you had a cast on your wrist. Oh right, no, that was that was motorcycle. Oh, motorcycle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, but you grew up. I mean, you you even you've always kind of been around motorcycles and had that. Yes. So yeah, you're comfortable being on a motorcycle, which because there's a lot of people that ride bikes on the roads around here, which I wouldn't do because I think it's mm -hmm. there's too many cars on the roads, but. Um, they would never get on a motorcycle. 
Right. Yeah. Well, I feel safer on a motorcycle than I do a bicycle. Yes. It's, um, yeah, both could be pretty dangerous around here. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's tough. It, yeah. On the bicycles here, I do ride around Houston too, but it's, it's tough, but you, you can, you can go out of town, but it, even out of town that they could be, you know, yeah. it's about the one car. It's not about how many are they just about the one, which is not going to see you. Exactly. That's exactly. Good. Well, I think when we met too, was, was your bike parked, um, at your place? Yeah, I was, I, I parted my family in, in Czech, um, right. while I stay here. And then, um, well, then I came back and, um, my, uh, primer aim was just to ride all the way to australia and when i talk to people in europe like oh where are you going now like oh i go to australia I'm like what i what can you do that like you can do whatever you want yeah <laughs> like you can you can get far on land that's the thing yeah. well one thing that's interesting is so i when we met i knew you know after because i would come by that shop almost once a week to look at motorcycles mm. just because it was on my way home. And I was like, it's a nice break from traffic to stop at motorcycles. But I knew you were going on another adventure because we had started talking and, um, you know, learning more about this whole trip that you're doing. And so there came the day where you're like, all right, I'm off. See you later. And you flew back <laughs> to check and yeah, got on yeah, your that's bike. It, that's it. That's it. Yeah. And again, like I said, we were able to communicate through WhatsApp, um, which is any of my friends that live outside the United States. That's how I, communicate with them is through that app and uh, i was talking texting my buddy this morning who lives in uh, france so that was great that we could keep up but then you were gone a few months and you came back just for a short period and we got to meet up and that's where i've learned so much that one meeting because um, then you'd already been through multiple middle eastern countries right when you yeah. left czech where did you head to well, I went, um, I went through Balkans down towards Greece and Turkey. Um, and then through Turkey into Georgia, just, whoa, I, that just blew my mind. It's crazy, beautiful place. It's a tiny, tiny country with amazing mountains. Um, and then Armenia, and then I uh, sneak into Iran for about one month. And so um, sneak in, that means you're able to just find a place to cross without. No, border. no, no, no. I apply for visa. I travel and check passport. Okay. And, um, yeah, I apply for visa and embassy and I, 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 I scored, I scored visa, but I was riding Texas, um, registered right. motorcycle, right. <laughs> which was, yeah, I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how that's going to go because you know, the, the tension it's, do people tension it's 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 that but then what i very quickly learn there's no tensions in iranian side no at all it's tensions in here but for people over there no at all they 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 took it so well and um it was incredible i mean iran was one of the the highlights of this trip well and when i tell people about you because i think it's a great story when we're talking about world travel I'm, i always go back to the conversation we had at the bar when you'd come back just for um, a little bit and you're talking about the hospitality of the Iranians. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, again, that's the media projecting all these tensions. And then if you only watch the news, that's all, you know, but when you, after talking to you and you go to these countries and you're like, Iran may have been the most hospitable country I went to. It, it was definitely, it was. And that it, they, it, and they incredible like hospitality and, and they want, to like show that hospitality to the foreigners yeah. that come. Yeah. Well, they, they have, they have this saying for them, the guest is their God. 
uh, that's that goes everywhere and it's been there what i what i learned for centuries right so basically that's how they treat people and um, they want to have guests that's for them is just they want to so sometimes they're nearly fighting for me to stay in this place that place, or that place and um you know they then they just want to show you what what they have and what they do and just just share their lives and it it, it was incredible and you know and, and extremely safe it's one of the safest places. i they love camping that's another thing you can camp anywhere and they do they do themselves they they go campsites and if you can't camp in that campsite they just go in a in a park and they they just set up a tent in a park and in the grass and just camp there and the next day it's nice clean and then just clean everything and it just go go yeah away. i remember your photos some of the photos i remember from there it looked like the parks looked really clean it, everything was it was super clean and everything was really well maintained and you know then you talk about and you know all the embargoes on them and and all this stuff it just makes their life very very miserable um yeah, the common person it's tough to deal with that they you know you, you see that they they're impacted by that right you know, the technologies and all this stuff they don't have they they would be i think they'll be extremely uh modern developed country if, if it was not blocked by west i think um and um, they are very smart. All the signs in the whole Iran are in English and Farsi. Most of the people speak English. Wow. Lots of people are really well educated. And um, most of the time you talk to people and they make perfect sense. And they tell you, well, we're not, we're not really angry towards like American people and stuff. We know our, our government is shit or we know your government is shit. So but people are always good. And that's like everybody. I mean, 100% people told me that in Iran. And I was like, wow. And, you know, then you just kind of like learn that first week and you kind of relax and start enjoying it. I, you know, I, I had no idea what to expect, you know, because right. I was affected by Western media too. And, you know, and, and it does affect you even, you know, even, even though you're fighting it, but it still affects you. Well, I think, and it goes back to just, there's just a lot of good people on this huge planet and every country you go to most people are just good people in a lot of ways yeah and I mean, you know for them they're like wow that <clears throat> and if you should see um Redding's bike because it's a this really cool blue um if you look up ktm 990 dakar it's just really the bike sticks out with all the, the plastic fairings and the blue so i can imagine people in countries have not seen that bike too and there's this guy coming across you're like who is this and what is that and so you you know it's you kind of attract people and then you know then you're not necessarily attracting crowds but people are coming to you and then the hospitality you get just makes the trip pretty amazing right yeah especially in iran i had people i was i was um approaching town and then guys came they just rolled the windows down and they just show me come with me food and bed you know they just yeah. like show, show me your hands like come and sleep and you can come with me and it's like well okay <laughs> you know, and then you meet amazing people eat I some mean, amazing food too I eat amazing food and they, they just they just want to show it's just you know the passion how much they want to show you how you know the country and all stuff it's it's exceptional so you spent how much time did you spend traveling when you left Czech and you go all through that Middle East area that was about Two years was about two years, yeah. And you're camping out morning. most nights, 
right? Yeah, well, that's like, yeah, if I could, I was camping. Yeah. And most of the places you can camp and you can camp in towns. Then it's become kind of like challenge whether I can find a free spot for camping, you know, and there's always a way to find it. You know, it could be an abandoned building or it could be a little, you know, two poles behind somewhere. You you, you try to stay safe, of course. Right. You, you want to try to save from like bars and, you know, wherever people drink um, or do some other stuff. And um, so that that's the most danger. And the most dangerous animal on the planet is human. So um, <laughs> uh, that's that's just pretty clear. Right. Yeah, we haven't even talked about the animals you've seen on these on these trips yeah. yet. No, but. I was kind of lucky, but <laughs> no, but no, seriously. I I mean, the you know, drunk drunk guy. You seeing like motorcycle, a few drunk guys, then they do stupid things. And, right. You know, I think that's the biggest danger you, you kind of get to. Right. Um, or they use something else. I don't know. Um, so did you fly your bike after the the Middle East? Did you fly? Well, you, I was a little bit unlucky. I really want to go through Pakistan after Iran. And I heard lots of good things about Pakistan. But I didn't get visa um, because there was some trouble. Um, They just didn't let me go um, from Iran to Balochistan because you you kind of follow um, Afghan border. Uh, At the time, they were not really good condition for traveling. I met some other travelers, even like... uh, small tiny petite uh singaporean girl on a vespa and she made that road <laughs> the wandering so, wasp yeah the, on the wandering wasp yeah yep. i follow um, her on instagram that's it's a really cool follow to see everywhere she's yeah, on the vespa the vespa is actually my parents are in check right now really yeah they're storing for her because she's back in singapore wow she, she's taking break too right so but anyway she made it through pakistan but i couldn't make it um because i I don't know, I just, um, I was wrong, wrong time, the wrong place asking for the visa. I, I thought I would make it, but uh, they just didn't want to give me a visa. They want to stay on the safe side. Doing these trips, you do have to do some planning out to try to get visas to get into different... Yeah, yeah, you have to do a little bit of planning, especially right. around Asia, Asia era, which becomes much, much harder. Um, that's what I like about South America. You can just go there and you're going to jump from country to country and everything's going to be absolutely fine. Um, while you go to Asia, you have to do some serious planning on a visa um, and when you can get it and how you can get it. And a good thing is to have two passports. Sometimes you're gonna, you, you have to send your passport to your, to your home country so friends can go to get your visa um, in the embassy and then just send it back to you. And, you know, there's a few things like that you can, you can do. You can so just you done, it up. you've done quite a bit of work then to make sure because you went... Right. Did you fly your bike from? So then I crossed on a ferry from um, um, from Iran, from Bandar Abbas to Dubai. And I shipped my bike from Dubai on a boat to um, Mumbai, to India. While I shipped the bike, I flew to US, um, pick up Lauren and her bike to join me in Mumbai. And that's, that was, I was about here like one right. week. Yeah. One week just to pick up Lauren uh, in Houston. So that's where we met. Right. Uh, it was the last time we yeah, met. It was, I mean, it was really cool to get to talk to you to, in the middle of the trip. Just right. To, yeah. I was, I was still kind of like, yeah, it was okay. Shake, shake down a little bit, you know, and just, just come back into it and, and get ready for India because that was, that was pretty intense. Yeah. India was pretty intense. Yeah. So that was kind of like the final leg of your trip was hitting that entire part of the, 
the yeah. country, the country of you know getting to India and all those East Asian countries. Right, the India itself, I stay there for six months, and because it's a huge country and there's so much to see, and it just takes you about one month to adjust. The first first month is just kind of like you're in a panic mode. Really, you know, you have no <laughs> so many different senses going in you know it was like smells and what you see and everything you know what you hear and stuff it's just like oh but then you you get used to it and you start enjoying it and that that was my case and what i talked to other travelers um that was that was everybody else and it, but you can't stay too long then yeah. then, it, then you want to kill everybody <laughs> <laughs> because you get you get it's getting a bit it's gonna be too much <laughs> after six months it was a bit too much yeah yeah, and I, I mean, just I'm just thinking back through pictures you're posting. I mean, there are times you're in these major cities, and other times you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Just out in the country. Well, I don't. Yeah, South South India. It's that gives you a bit option of um, a little bit free space. When you go more north, um, there's not even <laughs> there's no free space. The people are everywhere. Oh yeah. And you think you are alone? You stop for like two minutes, and you've got fifty Indians standing around you. And you have no idea how they got there. <laughs> Seriously, it's incredible. And that one does, I mean, a lot of them speak English, so you're kind of traveling through yeah, the big well, cities. Yeah, they do it don't. Um, mainly in town, in yeah. cities, they do. Um, lots of lots of school, schools are in English. Um, and um, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, so, and then Lauren, she was riding her bike too. Um, for a little bit, and then she had some home, like the family emergency, and she has to go back back to Houston. So unfortunately, um, so yeah, and then uh, I went to Nepal, which is a really, really cool place, also for riding motorcycles, especially in Himalayas around Annapurna Range. That was so spectacular. I've read a lot of articles on just people doing those rides, flying in, you know, riding for two weeks and flying back, renting yeah, a motorcycle. Yeah, you can there. do you can do Ladakh. Um, that's the Indian part of Himalayas. Um, and I was in the wrong time that I was in the, uh, was the winter. It was, it was winter was finishing, but it was still lots of snow in the mountains. So I couldn't get into Ladakh and place you, you need to be like in June, June, July, when, when, when you were about two months to get into Indian Himalayas. But what you could do is, um, you can arrive, I could ride to um, Muktina, it's called the little village, and it's in um, it's Mustang Valley in Nepal. And you really go around Annapurna Range, just from from you see it from two sides. And there's not, there's not much snow, and there's not normally much snow out there. And you can get real, you can go up to 5,000 meters um, in elevation easily. Um, and that was that was so spectacular. It was just for the off-road riding, for dirt road riding. It was right. like whoa. I, I mean, I, I count this as one of the best ride, best days in my riding riding wow. lives. Were you trying to stay as you're going through these different countries? Are you trying to stay off-road as much as you can, or? Yeah, I tried. If I could, I I go off-road. It's more fun. Right. You see more. You meet more interesting people. You don't meet many many tourists. Um, so yeah, I was always, always try to be off-road. staying local when you're off. Yeah, staying local. Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, I, I call it KTM KTM miles. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you spent. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, just thinking six months in India, um, and then you you go over to Nepal, and where do you head from there? Because you, um, I went, um, I visited quickly Sikkim, 
which is uh, it used to be used to be it's between Nepal and Bhutan. Um, it's kind of a little little strip goes yeah. to Chinese border, and it used to be independent country. But then they um, they they had the referendum and they they had options go to China or go to India, or they decided to go to India. They want okay. to go I, if they didn't go to India, China would probably take them. Um, and that was exceptional to like very nice riding. It was just like still dirt roads, all that. Not many people, and um, great food, very cheap, everything. Um, and then I quickly jumped into Bhutan um, for a few days just to experience it. That's that's very beautiful. I think as the ha- they call it the happiest country in the world, um, hmm. and um, I can see I can see the reason because it's just everything is extremely chilled. Very cheap alcohol, <laughs> very cheap. And if you want to visit as a foreigner, you have to pay two hundred and fifty dollars per day if you want to stay. Yeah, so ten adjust uh, just the the fee. So wow, yeah, the, they preserve the whole country is totally preserved. Uh, which they don't apply that to Indians, um, which kind of doesn't make really sense if they want to keep their country. <laughs> But yeah, so um, I've never really heard of that. Two hundred fifty bucks a day just to hang out. Yeah, just to hang out. But then, and when I met a few people, um, then they said, "Hey, you can go in the city, and um, you can actually enter, and the checkpoint is behind the city, so you experience all the all the Bhutan cuisine. Um, they dressed up really. Nice. It looks like samurais. The guys oh, yeah. like the skirts." Like you've got like your suit from that kind of material, but they got skirts, kind of like really nice, really nice clothing, like official clothing. And it's suddenly just cross border from India. You like you feel like you're in Switzerland. Wow. It's, in, it's incredible. Seriously. It's like, it, and now I saw like a little bit, I stay like three days in this play, in this, um, I, don't, I don't remember the name of the, of the city. Um, and I really want to see more now, but you know, two fifty is quite a bit. So I need to save the money. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Well, and I think you know, some people might they're thinking like, "Gosh, how did he do this?" I mean, that's just to be gone this and not be working. But really, you're staying for free as many times as you can each day, trying to find a place to camp. Um, right. Really living frugal and a simple life throughout this whole trip, right? Correct. That's 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 the key. If you want to do that, and it's more enjoyable too. Uh, well, I find it more enjoyable. Why, okay, yeah. Why do you th- say it's more enjoyable? Just for I know it's just the idea, right? Okay, I wake up. I, I normally find kind of pretty cool place to sleep, and there's so many cool places. Um, and then you open, you know, you open, open your eyes in the morning, and you got a nice area, like nice view. Then right. you cook your stuff on the stove. You make your own really good coffee and stuff, or you can pay $150 for hotel and every single stay is going to be exactly the same. You're just going to wake up in a room which tells you absolutely nothing. You're going to go out in the lobby, you're going to get breakfast. Well, okay. You're going to meet, you know, the, the people staying in a hotel, which, you know, like the kind of straight look face kind of, but how I see it. And then, and you're going to leave to another hotel. For me, it's just, that, that sounds so miserable. <laughs> so, so, well, I don't think it's miserable, but, but I mean, for you, yeah, it's, just, it's mean, not the way you like to travel, though, right? Yeah, I, mean, I guess. Wanna... Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's well, how I feel about it. Right, and you're traveling um, as a single person, you know, although there are times where Lauren was with you, but still when it's just either one or two people. I mean, when you're by yourself, it's a lot easier. I'm just going to go camp there. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, and 
and I think also trying a motorcycle and people see you trying a motorcycle and you know you you're roughing it out and they come like hey and you're very approachable that way right and just they come and they're curious and start talking and before you know it you're sitting in the in their living room drinking very tasty tea or something they, they made for you and you know that for me that's that's the that's the traveling you know this kind of experiences make it like you know to, the just, main re- that's the main reason why, why it just I do made it. me think how many different coffees and teas have you had a lot, in the yeah. last four <laughs> years i mean that's you know, we just try to you know figure out how many teas and stuff you know and coffees yeah or or not sure exactly what you were drinking oh when, that's right yeah some not, not, don't ask them any questions <laughs> yeah you survived it's well i mean you i mean you stayed pretty healthy on all these trips yeah i mean yeah i didn't I didn't have any any big trouble, you know. I think I had twice um, the stomach right. stomach trouble from bad food, yeah. And and that's about it. And uh, it's just you know, you just, normally what I found was I liked street food, and the good thing about street food is um, you always look where lots of people buying it, right? And um, in these um, poor countries, they don't have money to buy bunch of food so it's always come fresh if there's a people buying it so that means they're going to sell everything the next day they have to kill the chicken cook it or you know just pick some veggies and stuff make it so everything is extremely fresh right so and it doesn't matter where it is it could be on a side road somebody cooking out there but you know the locals are stopping and buying it that's that's the one thing you always look how many people sitting in a restaurant? You can have fancy restaurant, and that happened to me too in India. I was sitting in a fancy restaurant. There was hardly nobody there, and I get some problems. But from the street food, when you go, people just go and and eat a pick it straight away. You know, oh wow, okay, so they're using it. They know it's good, right? Because then you talk to, especially in India, you talk to locals. Like I've met some Indian bikers, and they they're facing exactly the same challenge, right? They say, oh, I don't want to have runner. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they, they're also like thinking where they're going to be eating, which, which restaurant is good and, and stuff. So they, they, they face exactly the same, same challenge as all, yeah. all Westerners. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So you, I mean, ultimately you got to get to that, the place you want to get to, which is Australia. Yeah. Well, yeah, it took, you know, it took, well, the, the Southeast Asia was pretty cool too. Um, I had to ship bike from uh, Kuala Lumpur to Borneo, which is, which is pretty amazing. And then the whole Indonesia, which yeah. I spent just three months. And if I could, I spent another year there because really? it's an exceptional place. I mean, okay, Bali, it's cool too. I like Bali because lots of people go to Bali. But then other other islands, which they got lots of ferries around the, I think like 17,000 islands around in the whole Indonesia. Maybe a little less. Um, and that was our, I was my f- favorite, one of the favorite countries, all that too. And then I went all the way to East Timor, which is the, one of the youngest countries in the world, I think 2007. Um, and then from there I shipped, I have to do a little bit of planning. I, I ran the container with other two travelers, with one car and another motorcycles. And we ship um, vehicles to Australia. To Darwin, um, so all the way up north. So, and then, uh, yeah. How, how long did you spend in Australia? Six months. Wow. Yeah. Well, I didn't yeah, realize about, you were... about six months. Yeah. It was. It was long. It was. But it's. 
yeah, it, there's so much to see. And it's seriously huge place. <laughs> I think, you know, when you're traveling on a motorcycle too, you have to stop to see stuff because when you're riding them, I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, when you're riding a motorcycle, especially off road, you have to concentrate and pay attention. I mean, you can look around some, but you really have to know what you're mm-hmm. doing. You can't just yeah, drift yeah. off. I mean, you've got to pay attention or else you're wrecked. So when you're on a bike, you got to really stop, take your gear off, go walk around and experience right. what's around you to see what it is. You can't just be casually looking out the window like you can in a car. But you can, yeah, you, the thing with bike, it's much easier. You can just get off the road. Right. You can just ride to whatever you want to and just come back. With a car, it's it's much harder. So that's, that's why I like traveling motorcycle. Um, and, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you stop, you feel, you feel the, uh, on the bike, you feel the environment you're riding in and you just get more connected with, with the environment. So that, that's what I like too. And as, as you know, on the, on the dirt roads, you really have to be, you know, tune, right. tune well, not to get into trouble because it little mistake and you're on your ass. Well, I, I ended up quite a bit, but <laughs> I, I just think too about that's tough. Like it's tough on your body to ride that much. I, I mean, I'm sure you get yeah. in shape of riding because you're riding so much. You're doing it every day that eventually your body's just like, that's what we do every day. Yeah. You but get it, used to it. Yeah, you get used but to it. riding takes it out of you. I mean, it's, it's plus, you, you know, you've got a loaded bike. That's another thing. It's, it's fairly big bike, 990. Um, but, um, and, and it's, and you've got all your gear. Plus you have to carry, especially in Australia, I have to carry additional 50 liters of fuel which is it's like you know what is 12 12 and a half gallons of fuel in addition to fuel i already have in a bike just um, in case no, there were no there were no um fuel station the the, the roadhouses sometimes oh they're they're closed so you cannot australians as soon as you land australians tell you plan for unplant and you really have to plan for unplant you know wow. if you think you've got it covered yeah no Go back to the planning. I'm just so used to having a gas station on every corner. It doesn't matter right. what direction no. I drive in. <laughs> yeah, that's not the case. And the same with water. That's, yeah, that's what I, that's one of the big thing I learned in Australia was how precious the water is if you don't have it. <laughs> and, you know, you, you can easily run out of water in Australia and um, it basically, you're, you're just done. Well, it, I was it, reading one of your blog posts um, a while back about it was one of the days in Australia where you'd gotten really dehydrated and you'd gone down a road and there was a fire. Yeah, no, that was, yeah, I think that was the only time I was so close to call the SOS um, on my like little device, the spot right. device. Um, and it was that day when everything wrong. And um, that's that day I fully understood what the Australians were saying, plant for unplant. Um, because my my I was, we well I was traveling with Matthias another Swiss biker and I was I was really fortunate having having him with me, um, so we were like let's say seventy miles off the main road, um, but the main road was in the middle of nowhere itself. It was another three four hundred miles to first little close town close small town. So if you if you at all these distances that where you I was in the on the on the south coast coast of Australia, Nalabor, um Strait. Um and my bike, the the um the cooling system, um the, the some the radiator hose just just burst open and I lost all the water. 
So I tried to replace it and um, it's kind of worked, but didn't work. I was still losing lots of water. So I was putting all the drinking water in the motorcycle and tried to fix it, tried to get out. But then we would start camping on a cliff, which is a very beautiful place. And, uh, and then in the morning we woke up and there was like, we were covered by ash. It was like, damn, what is this? And just start figuring out, well, there's a bushfire. And it was 46 degrees Celsius, which is about, what is the 120? Or that's a lot. It, I don't was, know it's it a was, lot. it was about, yeah, it was a lot. It was, it was 46 that day. And you know, you've got bushfire, which can travel pretty fast and it was pretty windy that day. And then we, we, we found that there was a pretty closer road. The one we, not the one we took, but kind of closer going straight to the main road, but it was still about 60 miles, 70 miles to go, but the road was bulldust. And that's very specific of Australia. It's the finest of the finest dust you can find. Which is I, not, would, I would take sand over boulders like thousands. Yeah, times. that's not good for any kind of mechanical vehicle. That's not good for anything. Not even yeah. like, and you can't really ride into this. You go first, second gear, and it's just so fun. You take the finest flower, and you know you just and that's covered. Whole road is covered by that, and oh, it could wow. be deep, like could be like two, three feet deep, or it could be just a little bit of deep. But you never know, and you never know what's underneath. So you just go and every, I don't know, um, quarter mile you're on your ass and you do first, second gear. And you just go like this. And, and that is forever. That, was, that a- was forever. And you have your, you have five bushfire at the back. You have your bike, which has no cooling water. <laughs> like, and you've got like hundred something degrees. So you got a situation which is got like, well, if I'm going to survive this, I'll be a really happy person. Well, I'm here. So I did. We're glad you but, made it out yeah, of that. And, but we were with Matthias who had a point where like, we're going to just, okay, we're going to call for SOS. But then I knew it take it could take up to a couple of days for help to get that. And it's like, that's not going to help us. <laughs> it was like in Australia. And here probably the response would be much faster, but but uh, because the distances are not as, as big. But over there, they would have to fly somebody, get the vehicles, get mobilized, get, you know, and, and it would just take, probably two days right and at that time the fire would be already gone and we would be gone and you know everything would be gone <laughs> like that was kind of pointless so we we decided um just push on and just i give you know the one of the points where like we we're talking about one of the scenarios was like okay i'm gonna leave my bike behind we can leave all the kit behind jump on matthias's bike and just ride just two of us just save us just make try to make it through but I said, I'm not going to leave my 990 here. I'm going to give her a chance to survive. Um, and I can't leave her here just to burn, you know? So um, so I just give, give I, d- I stopped fixing it. I stopped putting the water in the radiator. I was rather drinking it. At the point, we ran out of it anyway. We didn't have any. So, um, so we started riding like hard just to get out of it as fast as we could. And... Um, Another an hour, which I thought I was on the edge, probably just just going going crazy. I had no water. There were there were there were five fighters just there. Just we just turned around the corner and there was this guy just sitting standing there with the with the Land Cruisers and they were fixing a trailer. The funny part was, well, not really funny, but um, it was pretty serious. But um, well, they start laughing. 
And they're like, what the hell are you doing here? I was like, question, how did you get here? <laughs> well, like, we, we evacuated yesterday. Our trailer broke. So they, their trailer broke and that spot. So they couldn't fix it the day before because they were already leaving the, right. the, the area. So, um, so they returned that day to weld it together, the trailer, and the, like 20 more minutes and they would be gone. So, so I think these guys totally saved us. Totally saved us. And so they helped us. They, they give me a little hose so I can fix my bike. They had water. Um, they give us water. Wow. Drink and, and yogurt. I remember that. And yeah, and then they stay with us till we made it to the to the road. That's so awesome. they knew they were, they were safe. And yeah, gosh, I was the next day. I felt so alive. <laughs> I mean, I was I was so happy. You know. Yeah, you're like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm glad I made I, it yeah, out you, of that. Yeah, you wake up like, oh, this feels so good. You know. But, but yeah. Well, you know, you're in that part of the world, and you know, I'm following you mostly via Instagram, seeing what's going on. And I can tell you finished Australia, but you're like, well, I still got to make it over to New Zealand before I come back to the States. Yeah. But the, the motorcycle wasn't going to go. So well, yeah, it's, that, there's a one thing, shipping bike or any vehicle to Australia and New Zealand, it needs to be spotless. It needs to be like brand new. They got these agriculture inspections. Yeah. And I just read an article about somebody shipping their stuff from, uh, no, it was you. I was reading the, I was reading your blog post about uh, the shipping container. Right. And then you had like one spot where they had a little dirt and they were okay with that. Well, it was an exhaust and the right. guy, like, I was very lucky, but it, it makes, the guy made, kind of, he was, um, he was fine with it because yeah. the, the temperature reaches very hot um, at that spot on the exhaust when, when it's leaving the, um, right. the engine. So uh, if there was any seed or any bacteria, I would be dead. Like no, like no. Yeah, problem. they don't want to bring anything from a foreign. That's right, because they got so much country. trouble with any, you know, the stuff bringing right. to them. So, so you you do um, New Zealand on a scooter? Yeah, well, that was yeah. I I shipped my bike from um, uh, Brisbane to Seattle. I put it on a on a boat. Um, uh, that takes about a month. Um, so while the bike was sailing, I flew to New Zealand. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it the other way around this time. I'm going to see what cheapest road legal bike I can get. And I'm just going to tour um, New Zealand, both islands on on this on the little tiny bike. I don't know what it was. And then I found on a trade me, I got like something like eBay here, um, vintage 20 years old Vespa. And it looked really cool. Um, and I was like, okay, Did I you, got it. You bought it? I bought it. It was a thousand dollars, thousand Kiwi dollars. So it was so like eight hundred, eight hundred American dollars. You drove that around. It was it was hundred and fifty cc two stroke. Um, I I got a little saddlebags to it and you know strapped my tent to it, put a navigation so I knew I was going. And yeah, I, I set off, get a new tires. Uh, you don't have to change uh, the oil because it's two stroke. Bought some like <laughs> you just keep adding oil and gas yeah, to it. Yeah, just yeah, I just got oil like mix it with with fuel, and yeah, and I set off and I had the blast. It was so good. It was this different challenge, totally different challenge. Yeah, I mean that you're going from a massive adventure bike down to a small scooter. Yeah, I lost, I lost about 110 horsepower. Wow, because <laughs> the the scooter had like eight horsepower. And my 990 has got like 110, 12, 
13, something like that. So did I, I was about over 100 horsepower. Did you sell it when you were done from over there? I, yeah. I, well, my friend who helped me to buy it, um, before I set off, he said, well, I like it. If, you, if you're not going to take it with you to the U.S., um, I'll get it off you. And so I left it in a good hands. That's we good. built a really good relationship with the bike over <laughs> the, the months I, 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 I rode around awesome. New Zealand. So. I was excited because I knew that, you know you were getting close to coming back, and you know I'd been I'd seen you and well, it'd been two years yeah, yeah, yeah. since I'd yeah. seen you, so yeah. I had seen you in two years, and you know you get back to the U.S. and you know just going through that trip, looking back in hindsight, I mean that's just it's pretty impressive that you got all that done. Yeah, I mean <laughs> you get all the way back to here. That's it's it's pretty impressive. Does it? It's funny because you're like. Oh, I went to this country and I only spent a month there, but I could go back and spend six months there. I could go back and do that. And even traveling through the U.S., have you been all the way through the U.S. now at this point? Well, not all. I, I've I've done been, Seattle to here, which yeah, is kind of half. Yeah, i here and a little bit like zigzag. I was going to um, the Yellowstone and right. then I came back towards San Francisco to Idaho. Um, yeah, I just like zigzagged and, you know, again, visiting friends and seeing nice places. Yeah. So what, most US, yeah. what's next for you then? Like what's the next big ride? Oh, wow. Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Not planned yet, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I would like to do Africa. Like, because I, I t just touched north part of Africa. Um, I really would like to do that. And I, you know, spend, yeah, it's a big continent. And just to do it, just to see it well, I think we have to be right. over over a year maybe a year and a half i don't know so what what would you tell people listening that if they're thinking about not even just a motorcycle if they're just thinking about getting out to another country and really exploring what would you tell them i would okay I'll, and i learned that myself too it, it took a while um um the worst thing is to over plan it just just to have a just to have a schedule you have to you do this 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 this, this every minute um I would, I would, okay, there are places where you want to see, right? Some nice, like you want to go to Taj Mahal and stuff. Right. But then there's so many things around these big places and let it go. Just go there. Don't, don't overplan. Things going to start happening around you. It's somehow it works. It's just things happening around you. So and relax. <laughs> just relax. Relax. Enjoy. Try to, try to feel the, the, the moment. Try to feel where you are, what's happening around you. That's I think that's the most important thing about this kind of traveling. And um, of course, stay safe, and you can do lots for your safety. Just um, you know, as I said at the beginning, you know, don't go a little bit of mind, just don't flush it. You know, just stay like normal t-shirt, yeah. just you know, yeah, the, the shoes with a hole doesn't matter. You know, just they get you from place one to B. You know. And, and you know, don't. But even if you go, you can go in like bad places. There's still good people there too. Right. You know. Yeah, and, I um, think that's what I've learned just from our conversations. Is there's good people everywhere. Right. And right. it's worth meeting those good people. Well, I appreciate um, you coming out today, and you know, we've gone an hour, and I think we could have probably gone three hours to get mm -hmm. a lot of stories. Yeah. But I think we got across to the people that you know you can go out and have these long adventures. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with friends. You'll meet people along the way. But just the point is, is just to get out, get out and go do something. And it doesn't have to be to every foreign country. 
I think you've done 70 countries or 71 countries you've been in in yeah, total. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, more. But yeah, like in, um, on this trip, it was a little bit well, over 70, close to right. 80. But I've done some before without. Wow. I'm, I think I'm close to 100 But even now, if you're just getting out, it. you know, part of it is just getting outside and enjoying the nature around you, right? Yeah. That's, that's how I see it. It's just you don't have to take four years. If you can, it's awesome to go visit six continents. <laughs> but, you know, getting out for the weekend on your motorcycle or, or camping out in the state park, just get out and enjoy. Right. Yeah, that's it. That's just go all day and enjoy enjoy the, the world, you know. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time, Radim. I look forward to um, your next adventure. Thanks. All right. No, thanks for having me. And it was a um, real pleasure talking to you. And yeah, just uh, stay tuned and you see what's going to come. That's right. <laughs>Thanks for listening to the Sign Out Podcast. Big thanks to Radim for telling his story. If you want to hear more stories like this, check out our website, signoutco.com. That's where you can sign up for our email list and listen to our other podcasts and check out the shirts and the hats and all of the great merch that we have. Make sure you check out Redim's Facebook page where he writes about his travels. It's called The Ride is the Destination. And the music in today's episode was created by me, Caleb J. Murphy. If you want to hear more of the music I've made, you can check out calebjmurphy.com. And again, thanks for listening, and hopefully we'll talk to you next episode.